1: Oh <laughs> Welcome into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast, your place to go for on-demand Titans coverage that is 100 percent free of the nonsense that we always see in sports talk these days. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the well, one of the other two hosts of No Nonsense. Will Loomis is here with me. Matthias Waters is not. He is out of the country and as a result is missing episode number two hundred <laughs> of us recording podcasts together. As we talked about last week, uh, this is episode number 200 since Will, Matias, and uh, and I, yes, and I began recording podcasts together. Uh, that would have been, I believe, in 2017. So big milestone, very fun. Uh, we'll probably have to celebrate it a little bit better next week when Matias is back with us. Um, also... This isn't going to be a very happy podcast, I don't think, because the Titans aren't a very happy team right now. Titans lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday in what can only, as far as I'm concerned, be deemed a meltdown loss, 19-13, to the Steelers. Um, not good, Will. Not good.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, it. it you, you have the right words. It's very, um, I don't know. It's like it was aggravating in the moment. You know, it makes you angry because I, I, I don't know if I tweeted this or if I said it to my wife or what, but it's one of those things where it doesn't matter whether the Titans are playing the Lions or the Patriots or the Jaguars or Green Bay. It's not that they can't win games it's that you never have a chance to see because they just continually shoot themselves in the foot. Like, they are allergic to stringing together good sequences for a full game. I mean... It is is
1: very weird. Because I'll start by saying this. I really do think they're well-coached in so many areas and they're disciplined in so many areas. But the turnover stuff... And... Yeah, it's been a problem over the last month, but it's really been a problem over the season. I mean, I remember back in maybe early October writing a column about how they needed to get the turnover problem figured out on offense, and then now, in three out of the last four games, they've had at least four turnovers on offense. That, like, that's embarrassingly bad.
0: Yeah, like, it. it's hard because you say they're well-coached, but a defensive side of the ball aside, like, I have a hard time putting that to the test. Like, yeah. they're not catching consistently. The wide receivers aren't blocking consistently. There, There's plenty of times where it looks like they either don't run the wrong route or they don't run it at the right depth. The tight ends are a pitiful mismatch unit of the group you wish would get injured and get COVID instead of the rest (laughs) of them because they like, you wouldn't notice it.
1: Yeah. I saw a tweet today. It was like, but by the way, these tight ends are the chosen ones. These aren't the injury replacements.
0: Yeah. Which is crazy. Like, you know, (laughs) to go into the season and say like, okay, you know, this is going to be our weakest unit and then have everybody at every other position get hurt, and then still be like, no, that's still the weakest unit. It's like, that's that's incredibly frustrating. And, I mean, so they're not doing well. The offensive line continues to make the same mistakes. Uh, Barry seemingly gets worse every week. Uh, I, like, I, the, I mean, I, I would say there's a bigger drop-off from... Questenberry week one to Questenberry now than there is when any of the other starting offensive linemen go out He just looks terrible like it's like he's forgotten how to play football You know if you told me that he had a nerve injury that like he couldn't feel his hands and like You know similar to what is going on with roger saffold. I would believe it Uh, I mean i'd say yeah, like he doesn't punch. He doesn't move anybody off the ball like He's constantly on other teams highlight film like he's bad, but even even if that was the worst of it they could survive it but it's racy mcmath throwing essentially throwing a ball backwards after he ran with it and like it's firks are just like rolling the ball to the defense like both on their side of the ball it's for some reason ben jones and Tannehill they take a million snaps and for the first time ever no rain or anything they fumble a snap like It's just, like, anything that can go wrong with this team is going wrong. Like, even the interception, it was just one of those passes where you see... I mean, they threw 12 of them in that game. Like, those little quick, you know, hot pass, throw it, and the ball gets... like. But this time, the ball gets tipped, and it gets tipped in a way where it goes right back. You know, the Titans have, like, two or three deflections at the line of scrimmage. And some errant passes of their own, but they can't come up with any interceptions. It's just, like they're getting no turnover luck on defense and all the turnover luck is going to the other team's defense and I mean I don't know how you fix it
1: yeah so and there's so much to unpack there and I'll start with this what you just said like what can you do I mean what does Mike Vrabel do stand up and say hey guys uh don't turn the ball over I mean really like We've been highly critical over the years of Mike Vrabel with, with always sort of the caveat that we think he's a good coach and does a good job. But seriously, like, what's he supposed to do? Like, Mike Vrabel's not the one fumbling over the middle, and Mike Vrabel's not the one, you know, fumbling the quarterback center exchange. Like, we can talk about discipline and coaching, but, like, a lot of this is just execution, though. No?
0: Yeah, and and the same thing goes with Todd Downing. It's like, you know, I am as spiteful and hateful, correctly so, oh, yeah. towards we, Todd Downing we, as we anybody are, we else. We
1: are well aware of that.
0: Yeah, but you know, it's not his fault. I mean, like this, these particular plays are not his fault. Yeah, like you can you can argue with the fact that that you know he doesn't set anybody up to like have a run. You know, he doesn't do those transcontinentals that. Um, Coach Mack talks about, I don't know why I said it like that, transcontinentals. Um, he didn't set those up to where you get a guy dragging all the way across the field so he gets like time to build up speed and get in front of somebody and create yards after carry. Th- there was a stat earlier today from, I think it was John Glennon, and I don't know what he was he was trying to say, but it's it was like over the last three weeks, the Titans are 5 out of 14 on their passes that go more than 10 yards, and... Oh, and it was for 54 yards, and I guess the point was it's like they're not connecting on deep passes, but one, a lot of those deep passes is just Tannehill throwing it like 10 yards in front of somebody because they're not, you know, like uh, the Deonta Foreman uh, play, which we may not know it as the Deonta Foreman play. Uh, I think he threw it to Hollister or something in the end zone on some play-action boot, but he was going to throw it off to Donte Foreman or dump it off to Donte Foreman, but he just fell. So, like, he's out out of the pocket, and his, like, dump-off fell down, so he just threw it out of bounds out of the back of the end zone. So that's going to go as an incompletion. But my problem with that stat is on five passes that traveled t- more than 10 yards in the air, they got 54 yards. That means on five receptions, they got combined four yards after catch. Like, at, at most. Like, it could be zero. I mean, it could be negative yards. Like they could have caught a 15-yard pass and run backwards. Like the the receivers are not only not helping the team, they're just actively hurting the team. And well, like, what do you do? It, you know, you're on your eighth guy. Like, do you pull up Golden Tate, which everybody thinks is a savior? And it's like, I like the that, idea of Golden Tate, but it's I, like,
1: I think people got to get over that. that that's
0: not well, happening. I think the problem the problem is people are like. I think Golden Tate can come in and be good and it's like, you know, I, this coaching staff has no idea what a good wide receiver looks like. They just know that their two best receivers aren't on the field. Like uh, they're terrible at identifying the talent they have. So I'm not, I'm not going to necessarily say that Golden Tate couldn't be on the field, but what I would say is like this idea that he's a savior is wrong. Like can he be somebody who is like Adam Humphreys and catches the ball and falls down? Like, on third and six, he gets his depth and catches it and falls down? Maybe. But, like, he's not going to be, you know, Chester Rogers, but more experienced. Like, he's not going to be a safer version of Chester Rogers. So, I mean, you you pray that Julio... Like, if Julio didn't come back this week... Julio. If AJ didn't come back this week, I, I mean... It's going to be tough. Like I don't know what happens.
1: I want to talk more about the offense because, like, they ran the ball so well, and it, 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 I am totally convinced that it's just the turnovers that is is holding this team back because. I mean, there's there's so much I want to get into from this game, because it it's, it's been a wild 24 hours since this game ended. And we're coming to you a day early because it's a Thursday night week, so we want to make sure you have enough time to get the episode in before the Titans play the 49ers on uh, Christmas Eve Eve. But, you know, Mike Herndon put on Twitter today, it's like, if they only have 10 turnovers in those three games that they lost... They probably win two out of the three, but the problem is they had thirteen turnovers <laughs> like it's it, i mean they there was a point in that game yesterday where the Titans were so dominant up front offensively running the football that if they just run or or if they had just run, they probably win that game. But they keep they the turnovers and the I like I don't even know what to say. I'm I'm sitting here at a loss for words. Like I, 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 I don't know what to say.
0: Yeah. I mean, and it's not like, you know, we can talk about the interceptions or anything like that, but it's like the how many times this season has a Titans receiver caught a ball and fumbled it? Or a tight end caught it and fumbled it? Like a lot. it seems to have happened more this year than it's happened for the last four years. Like it, it happens seemingly every game, and I, I cannot understand why. And, like, th- there's a lot to go off of for that. Because you're right. Like, I think they had four guys average more than... Or, sorry, I think they had three guys average more than 4.2 yards per attempt. Like, I, I, know, I know. I have heard Todd Downing's dumb, like, we don't want to jerk the wheel thing over and over. But he, <laughs> he's wrong. He jerks the wheel every game. He, he does... He still... Does not understand, okay, if we run the ball at this clip, we have to keep running it because the defense they're giving us, we're either able to block up or they're giving us a defense where they're trying to trap us when we throw a pass. And inevitably, they throw a pass and something horrible happens. Either a fumble or a tipped interception or a missed read or they miss a guy coming underneath. Like... It happens all the time because defenses are like, look, we don't care if you're running it at seven yards a carry. You're not going to keep doing it. So you'll eventually stop, and you'll eventually throw an incompletion because you're not patient enough to do it. It's what defenses did to Patrick Mahomes earlier in the year where they just knew he couldn't help himself from throwing the deep ball, and they knew once they got him in negative down and distances, then they could take advantage of him. So it's the same thing but with downing. And, I like, I – I don't know how you fix that because at the end of the day I know his response will be you know you run but if you run the whole game you're going to get 11 in the box. And the answer is obviously no, you never will. Like that that is not true. It's it's dumb. Like and even if you did, if you're still running it successfully, keep running it. That's what the Patriots did to the Bills. Like but he he is always moved away from what works to try to create some sort of artificial balance and that's very aggravating.
1: But well, and the and the stuff that the passing stuff that they did on Sunday was just it, it was all disaster. I mean, there mm-hmm. were, there was some stuff that I guess worked maybe in that 2-minute drill, but it just felt like you know, they would run the ball on first down. Okay, now it's second and 3. They run on second and 3. Okay, first down again. Good job. Mm -hmm. Then on first down, they'd either go play action, which, you know, we've been begging for play action. Then then they'd go play action or hot or something quick, and the pass protection was so horrifying that they couldn't even execute that, and it wouldn't just end in an incompletion in second and 10. It would end in a sack in second and 14 or, you know, a, a screen for a loss. Like, it was just it it was awful, it was terrible
0: yeah, and it's like when you when you pass with this team, you're actively asking your two worst units to do something. you're asking your wide receivers and tight ends to make a play, or you're asking your offensive line to block a like pass block, and they they they're ter- like they're both bottom three units of those positions, like i mean they they're just so bad i mean I, I wrote this was when the titans were up 13 to 3 but i wrote uh at one point that every drive that i see todd downing call it makes me appreciate arthur smith more yeah. and it decreases the stock of uh keith carter and todd downing in my eyes and then that like i said that was when they were up i mean when they were down yeah. it only got worse so it's i mean like <laughs> the it, <laughs> We we need to and we'll probably talk about this later. We need to talk about the Tannehill versus Mariota stuff because that's it's so asinine and we need to talk about it since it's up there. But the thing is, like when you have a bad play caller and you have two really bad units and you can't stop turning the ball over, like you're either praying for turnovers or you've got to do something different in the red zone. Like you cannot settle for field goals anymore. If you are if you know you've basically got three trips to the red zone at best in your game, you've got to take advantage of that because even as good as this defense is, if you're turning the ball over two or three times on your side of the field, you better make sure you have points to back it up.
1: But th- this, Will, goes beyond just the Titans or the NFL. This is like a football thing. Vrabel said it last week, it is the single greatest indicator of success or lack thereof in the game of football is the turnover differential. You can get away with losing it by one or two, but when week in and week out you are getting buried in turnover differential, you are going to lose football games at a rapid pace. This is not new information, this is not some kind of new development this was as true when Jim Brown was running the football as it is when Derrick Henry is running the football. Yeah, which either
0: means you've got to take chances when you've got chance, Because, I mean, the whole idea behind kicking field goals inside the red zone is, hey, we'll be back here. We're going to try to stack points. Like, But if if you're looking at a team that cannot stop turning the ball over – you have to self-evaluate, because as much as Vrabel wants to say, oh, there are, there are like 11 me's out there. You know, we don't fumble. We play hard-nosed football, and we do the little things right. Nah, man, they're terrible. Like, they're not well-coached. They're doing all the wrong things. And as much as you like your scrappy little Nick, Wick- Nick Westbrook-Akina or your Cody Hollister or your Anthony Ferkser at this point, it's like they, they are fumbling away your games, and you look over on the sideline mad, but at the end of the day you get 13 points or you get 20 points when you should have had 30 points against Jacksonville and, and you know that wasn't because of turnovers but it was because of dumb plays and just mental mistakes that everybody on this team makes like it and if you're going to play a game where you're saying okay turnovers are vital and you realize that you need to play defense differently you can't like not not than yesterday that was that was great like they did great yesterday but there's a lot of plays where, especially in the second half of that game, where they would concede first downs, at, like they would concede passes to the outside and all that, and they would kind of eat up yards that way. You know, you have to try to pick some of those off. Like, you've got to be more aggressive if you think turnovers are that important, which they are. But, I mean, when you, get, when you play the New England's, you know, the, the, team, the good teams, like we've seen how, the, how it goes, like, you can't just hold those guys back all the time. You have to be able to take the ball away. I mean, that's, like, the defining play in the Buffalo uh, game for the Titans was when Kevin Byard came up and intercepted that pass. Like, I, I mean, that that and obviously the, the last play of the game were, like, the two biggest plays. So, I don't know. It's frustrating. It's frustrating to see other teams prioritize takeaways and the Titans prioritize, you know, slowing the other team down and holding them to field goals and all that. But, you know, like I said, this is not... This is not defense, you did a bad job. The defense looks awesome. They, they're they the only reason the Titans have won any games since Derrick Henry went out. But, man, I mean, it, I guess if the offense can't get better, you've got to ask even more from the defense, which seems ridiculous. But, I mean, the offense just doesn't have any answers.
1: Speaking of the offense, there's two players in particular I want to have a conversation about each one. Ryan Tannehill and Julio Jones – Lots of reactions coming out of Sunday's game based on those two players and what they did and did not do in that game. We're going to talk about Ryan Tannehill. We're going to talk about Julio Jones. We're going to do that in just one second. You're listening to No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast. Well, I'm not sure, as I tweeted after the game yesterday, I'm not sure, other than the fumbled exchange, what Ryan Tannehill was supposed to have done differently yesterday. Of all the Ryan Tannehill problems that he has had, and he's been great for the Titans, but there have been moments this season where he has not been good. I wrote a column uh, Thanksgiving week criticizing him, saying that he needed to step up and be better. And it, and it was because there was a game where he'd thrown four interceptions. And, and so it is confusing to me because that column was not really received very well. And so it is perplexing to me that that, the Steelers game, was the one that... I mean, I can't tell you how many people I have seen on Twitter talking about trading for Aaron Rodgers and time to move on and find someone else and... People, the only people who like Tannehill or the Mariota, like it, it. The the reaction has been wild to Tannehill's game. I didn't really see a huge problem with it. I thought he kind of. I mean, I don't think they're anywhere close to winning that game without him.
0: No, I mean, it, it's very frustrating because everybody, you know, everybody looks at the stats and they say, "Oh, well, he threw a pick," and it's like. Yeah, like, if you watch the game, you understand why that wasn't really his fault. Like, it's not like he threw in underneath coverage. Like, tipped passes just get picked. That's what happens. But, you know, you look at it, and I don't know where people have lost their mind, but in the beginning of the game, uh, Tannehill threw a pass that hit I think Nick Westbrook-Akina right in the hands as he was running, and he just dropped it on what would have been a huge play. And then yeah. there was also a play where he had Julio open deep, and he's getting killed before he can even get like, reach his arm back to throw it because everybody well, that, that was the, in the first all-play. play of
1: the game, right? Or the first yeah. offensive play of the game. Because I, yeah. I had been saying all week, I said it on Titan Game Day morning, I said they got to run some shot plays. they got to get stuff designed downfield. Because they've been talking about, well, we've been trying and we've just not been hitting him. It was there. <laughs> he had yeah. Leo for the touchdown. The pass protection failed. And then like you said the second time he had Westbrook Akina potentially for a touchdown with maybe a better connection, but even with the connection that was there should have been a 50-yard catch.
0: And you know like again like the those big plays. Like great. Like that those would have been nice to hit. But even when he does hit passes, like the Ferkser or catch was a first down until he fumbled it. Like I, I, the problem is like he like even when he does good things the other the rest of the team doesn't help like remember on third down when uh, somebody like whiffed on a pass. uh, i'm sure it was Questenberry whiffed on a pass protection and uh he steps up and kind of scrambles and throws it to mcnichols and mcnichols is in space and makes a move and like gets to the goal line when he got like taken out before he came back in like that was third and seven like that like that was a play where the offensive line had lost, all the wide receivers had lost, the tight ends had lost because they, nobody was open, and he scrambled, found his dump off, put it in a place where he didn't have to reach or you know, d- like dive for it or anything like that, and then Nick Nichols made a play, and it's like, yeah, that's what this team is. It's Tannehill and the running back scrambling around, praying that something can they can make something happen before the rest of the team lets them down. Uh, so yeah, like I don't know what Tannehill could have done differently in that game, and it, people get tired of of hearing the same excuses over and over because that like because they label them as excuses, and it's like no, they're reasons. Like if your car keeps breaking down and you run out of gas every time and you're like, you know what? I think my car's broken because it keeps running out of gas. It's like, no dummy, fill it up with gas. Like that's the problem. <laughs> like th- there's a difference between excuses and reasons. And people yeah. are like, I've heard Todd Downing too many times. It can't be Todd Downing. It's happened 11 games in a row. And it's like, yeah, cause he's still there calling plays.
1: Yeah. There, there's something to that certainly, but, You know, it just seemed to me watching Tannehill on Sunday like he was doing everything in his power to like will things in the passing game because heaven knows that it was not being willed for him. Right. He didn't have easy access throws. He didn't have good play design. It was him standing back. Like I saw these. I saw one tweet. It said uh, someone tweeted at me. They said, well, didn't he just look like a statue back there? Like, what are you wanting him to do? <laughs> like, yeah. be yeah. Lamar Jackson? Like,
0: because I don't know, so Lamar weird.
1: Jackson's getting out of a lot of those pressures that he faced yesterday.
0: Yeah, it's like, w- what do you want him to do? Like, <laughs> if, are you questioning his ability to run? It's like, no, obviously he can run. So it's it's not that he doesn't have the ability to. If he stay and like we've seen him scramble and run, he did it yesterday, uh, but. The problem is like there are times when if it's third and seven and there's a linebacker right there, you know, there's it doesn't do him any good to dip out of that and try to evade just to run into the linebacker. Like he's got to try to wait and he I'm sure he's hoping his receiver will break off a route at some point and he's waiting for it and it never comes like it. It's it's very it's very aggravating because again, like every time the Titans lose and don't put up points. People want to go back to this, and it's like, man, it's the same thing. Even when Tannehill has a bad game, he's not a bad quarterback. Like he's just made mistakes. Like it, every quarterback in the league does that. Like we, uh, thank God for Tom Brady last night and the Saints, yeah because like when he played the Saints, like he's always you know ever since he's gone to the Bucks, he's had trouble with them in the regular season. They've got his number, whatever, and so. For whatever reason, like he could, he can't do anything against them. And then finally, like you know, they not not that I'm hoping for it, but it's like, but they sustained injuries after being really healthy, and their wide receivers and Fournette were out. And Tom Brady, like, was a statue in the pocket. I mean, he kept getting sacked over and over again. Like he wasn't throwing the ball away. He was waiting for his receivers to make breaks. And finally, we have somebody to point to and say, "Look, this is a guy who for." two quarters went through the same thing that Tannehill's been going through for the last eight weeks, and, uh, you know, look at the difference in his play. Like, they were the high-scoring offense in the NFL, and then they got shut out last night because, I believe, at home because of their injuries. So, I mean, and another good thing is that I think you retweeted this or quote-tweeted it or something where somebody was like, I'm not going to say it, but I'm just going to say that, like, imagine where the Titans would be if they had Tom Brady right now. Well, Tom Brady would be dead or he would be retired. Like, that's where they would be (laughs) right now. They would be they would be with Logan Woodside as their starting quarterback and they'd be two and whatever. And Derrick Henry would either be run into dust or he would be unhappy and unproductive and it would have been a nightmare. So these people are so weird. Like, I, I don't understand it. Like. This could be its own like stop the nonsense like segment, like drawn out. But it, I'm just gonna go ahead and get into it now because this idea that uh, the Tannehill is just Mariota incarnate, it's like it's so it's so it's stupid. So stupid. Because, I mean, you know, like I was a big Mariota like proponent and fan, and I and I thought he had something to offer, but what he had to offer was always potential. It was always if everything goes right, imagine what he could be. With Tannehill, it's Look at the guy that we've seen for the last 26 games when things have gone right and when things have gone wrong, like a big sample size, different play. Like the whole first year he played basically without Corey Davis. Then the second year he played with Corey Davis, but he and A.J. Brown took turns being injured. Like he basically resurrected John Smith after people called him a bust the year before. And everybody last year was screaming that, you know, Shane Bowen should be like, you know, attacked in the streets because of how bad the defense was and how it stopped the Super Bowl offense that the <laughs> Titans had from going any further. And now everybody's like, "No, I'm pretty sure it's that guy who all of a sudden has forgotten how to play football." And it's like, yeah, like what are we doing, man? Like, I mean, in some, like, and so you know, I I, I like this person, but they were like. You know, I don't know if he can win us a game. And I'm like he like last year he led the 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 NFL in comeback wins and fourth quarter game winning drives, and he's got like three or four this year. Like
1: Well and Will that what's so interesting is what I was just talking about. Like a month ago when I was coming out saying, Hey, you know, I like Tannehill, but he needs to step it up and be better. I mean, I was getting crucified. I was getting told that, you know You're not paying attention, and you're just a a hater, and you don't realize how good they have it. And, like, now, like, those same people are the ones saying, can he even win a game? Like, oh, how the – what's the phrase? The the mighty have fallen?
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's – people – say things just to say them. Like <laughs> they they don't like they're not convicted in anything. They're just like <laughs> they're just like I'm going to say this right now cuz I'm upset. And they say it and then the people who've been wrong about it for years latch onto it and like see you're finally coming to my side. And it's like no, like you just have somebody who's upset with themselves yelling into the void and you're searching for it so you retweet it to cause chaos. It, it people don't I mean, people that believe that are dumb i mean but like i i don't know what other nice way to say it but it, i'm hoping that at some point they can figure out what like what to do but in all honesty i think Todd down like not again m- maybe this is maybe this is me projecting some but i think Todd downing is fine with just saying like hey it's injuries like it, he like he doesn't seem to feel the need to create anything or to do better week to week because he knows that the ready-built excuse is, hey, you know, we don't have Derek, we don't well, have AJ. I, I don't know about that, do- but. I, I mean, do you think, like, do you think he's taken anything, like, what do you think an ideal Todd Downing game looks like? Like, what do you think he wants his identity to be?
1: I I mean, I think he wants his identity to be what Arthur Smith's identity was. I didn't say that's what it's been, but I think if you asked him, that's what he would say. Okay, but
0: okay. In that vein, what steps has he taken towards that? Because they're not doing any more outside zones than they were before. The play actions are inconsistent, even though that's their highest completion percentage, and that's the only time they really can move the ball. Like, I I don't know. It like saying like. I want to be Arthur Smith and then going out and being Terry Rabisky doesn't make you Arthur Smith. And it, it like, it, it doesn't, th- there's no, there's no change that seems to be happening. Like, and I know, I guess you could say like, well, there's been so many injuries that, you know, maybe he's just trying to make it week to week and like, you know, doing like he can't do too much install cause he's got to get everybody caught up. And I guess that's true. But I mean, Really, for the most part, the last four weeks have been the same guys. Like it, it's been a lot of Cody Hollister and Nick Westbrook, Akina. Like it, not Julio. I mean, it's been like Chester Rogers. Like the those guys. Like so, it's not like it, it's not like they have four new receivers every week. They're just stuck with the bottom four. Like you would expect at some point, you could build off of what little they're doing right, but. I, like, I don't know. I, I just I hate everything about what he does.
1: <laughs> let's talk about Julio because I'm kind of over this guy. I really so, am.
0: He, let's talk about what uh, Vrabel said today, which was really weird. Yeah,
1: I'm gonna pull up the quote because it was it was interesting. <laughs> yeah. It was so,
0: definitely not what I expected him to say after, like, with a short week coming up. I'll, I'll let you read the exact quote if you want. But if if y'all are Titans fans and you're somehow unfamiliar with this, he went out. Uh, Julio Jones went out of the game, at, or I guess he just didn't come back after halftime. He played after whatever, like, hamstring injury. He well, and well, the, the big thing he, was he
1: was ruled out with a designated hamstring injury. That right. it's not that he just didn't come back; like, he was ruled out and designated to have had a hamstring injury. And so, on Monday, I was not there, Vrabel was asked about Julio Jones and his status, and the quote was, just trying to be conscious of where he is conditioning level-wise and where we need him. Going forward, we will evaluate where he is and see how he can help us on Thursday. Now, let me say this, because I think you're right, Will, it's it's an interesting quote, not what we expected, I think this probably leaves the door open to potentially seeing Julio Jones on Thursday night against the San Francisco 49ers. Here's my problem. It's back to this whole managing the workload and figuring out where we need him. Did they not need him? Because I I think (laughs) they did. Yeah. And Uh, so... I'm going to take a wild guess and say, Mike Vrabel probably thought they needed Julio yesterday. Just a guess. So, I'm not willing to sit here on Monday at 2.44 p.m. Central Time and say, well, it must have just been load management. Because, (laughs) no, that dude couldn't finish the game. That's what happened.
0: Yeah, so... I had I had somebody in my mentions talk to me about uh my full, like hat conspiracy theory is like that they're listing a concussion as a hamstring injury, which I they they don't do that. Like Mike oh, Frabel is ultra conservative with concussions. Yes. But it is it is weird though, right? Because there have been t- like several times this season where he's basically like ruled him out like, cause again, like today was like a Wednesday in the practice schedule. Like like he's basically giving you every indicator that he's not going to go. So on a short week, like to not even say like, ah, it's a short week. Like when, when you get a hamstring injury on a short week, like it's tough for you to come back. Like to not even like say that, like to basically say like, we're going to see how his conditioning is and see where he is. I'm like, I don't know. And Julio seemed like he was, he was laughing with Tannehill after that first drive. Like when, uh, like when he couldn't connect for the long touchdown, like they were like walking back to the sideline, like laughing and talking and doing all that. So it's like, it's not like Julio's pouting or anything like that. Like he seems very in like, he seems like he wants to be on the field. Like it seems like, and, and it seemed like this for like weeks and months at this point where there's some miscommunication between he and the wide receiver coach downing Vrabel, the, the, whoever it is where he's like, I, he's like, when remember when everybody asked him about his hamstring and he was like, hamstring, what hamstring? Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. he knew what hamstring, but, it, but he's basically like, you know, I wanted to be out there and I got pulled off the field. Like and AJ said the same thing, like where he was like, I was, you know, working my way back in and they told me like to come off the field. Like they were trying to take me off the field and I stayed on the field. And I'm like, What, what is this? Like, what is this that's happened all year long where there's like, I, I I don't, I don't know if it's ultra conservative because they, they're like, we're going to make the playoffs and you know, when Derrick Henry's back, we want to be hitting on all cylinders. I I don't know what it is, but you know, it, it, and maybe it's just the historic injury rate. I don't know. But like, there's some, something weird going on with that position group, like, I, I I don't fully understand what's happening, but uh, for Julio specifically, like I don't I don't know that he's gonna like I, I don't know that he's gonna play Thursday. I don't know that he's gonna come back or whatever. But the way they've used him is weird. Like he's not in two minute drill. Like he hasn't been for most of the season. Like he's really a like we're gonna put you in for this drive. And then we're going to rotate you out, which they've done some in the past with other guys. Like they've done it with AJ with and Corey AJ. Davis and all that. Well, they did last year, which is the weird thing because there would be like full drives when he came back where he just wasn't on. Like it was like they're going to go one wide receiver, three tight ends, and like that's their formation. The yeah, problem yeah, is they but, scored but so
1: fast. This season, though, when AJ has been out there, it has been let yes. this guy eat. Whereas with yeah. Julio, that has, that has never been close to the approach.
0: Right. Like, I would say the only time that that was the approach was the Seattle game where they were like, okay, let's feed him. And then he, like, he exploded. But then, like, the next week, like, he started getting AJ hurt. AJ also
1: was, had put up a dud in that game. He had, like, three Yeah, drops. he had
0: three drops. Yeah, it was a nightmare. But, yeah, like, the, the, whole, the whole point of all this is it's weird for Vrabel not to rule him out. I don't know what they're going to do with him long term like he's under contract for the next 2 years like I I would assume that his role going forward is much different than what what his role was when they brought him in like I think he's going to go like full Harry Douglas where it's like he's a guy that you know you get on the field for 40% of the snaps you expect him to like Maybe take some plays down the sideline, or maybe do some possession stuff over the middle. But like he is a like wide receiver three, or like a, some sort of like specialist who comes in. But they've got to view wide receiver, like starting wide receiver, as a need. Like this off season, like it, even if he's healthy, like you just can't trust it at this point.
1: Yeah, and, and, and I'm trying to figure out, you know, what I want to write on a short week, and one of my ideas is, is something Julio-centric, and I think the angle would be, like, it is time to stop trusting this guy. Now, you know, it's always silly, you know, me trusting someone doesn't affect the game. Like, I remember, to bring back Mike Herndon back up, there was a funny tweet, someone tweeted at him, it's like, Mike, you need to like, stop looking ahead on the schedule and focus to this week, like the things we, you know, doesn't affect. But in the sense of, you know, us as analysts and, and, and fans and whatever having these conversations, it's time for us to stop saying, yeah, but we, but if Julio's out there, think of the different, like, it's over. Like, that just maybe needs to be icing on the cake if it happens. But I, I, I'm not going to – I'm not. I'm just going to declare now, barring a change in the production – I am not going to take this microphone or any other microphone or write an article talking about. Well, they just need Julio back, and when, once that guy gets cooking, you know things will get better. Because it, it I don't, I don't. Th- a, I don't think that's going to happen, and and B, I, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> that, that's that's kind of both yeah. parts in one.
0: And the weird thing is, like, there is a correlation between when he's on the field and passing success. Whether the ball goes to him or not, like when he's out there, they do better. Like, I mean, I I don't know. I, I mean, it like, okay, so like the games when they play, they're like one, two, three, four, five. They're like seven and two, six and two, one of those. And like Mike Herndon put down that, uh, the, let me see if I can find the direct thing. Okay. So it says points per game uh, by star availability. And he basically broke down the games with all three of the big three, with, you know, without Julio, with Hulu, like, and he did every permutation of that. And it's like, he's not as big of a difference maker as AJ or, like, Henry, but he does move the needle. Like, it's like the, the passing, whatever it is, like, it's just enough to where at times it can look like a functional passing attack. But, I mean, when he's not in there, and, like, you can see – so it's like he's got something that at least either makes defenses respect him or, like, he makes, you know, a 14-yard catch every now and then and moves the ball enough to where he can help them get out of third and 12. But, I mean, like, going forward, you've got to see him as this is A.J. Brown's mentor. Like, this is (laughs) somebody who, like – it, you know is a lifelong football player didn't have injuries until like he got older like he does everything right his body's just starting to fail him and he understands how to play we're going to put him in with aj brown and traylon burks the wide receiver from arkansas in the first round like and we're going to say like look you're their assistant coach slash like guy who we want to get 500 yards and if you do that's a great season Like that, that's just how you got to view him moving forward for me. Cause you can't trade, like, you can't cut him. Like, his money's guaranteed for next year. Like, you can cut him after next year, but like, you've got to come up with a plan for how you can make that $10 million asset work for you next year in an advantageous way.
1: I want to say this too, because, you know, I'm sitting here going back and forth saying, you know, do I want to write already that this trade is a failure? And, if he were if he emerges in the playoffs and is great and you know whatever but it has already hurt them like you know when he wasn't playing in the first half of the season and they were cooking on all cylinders and they won you know what six in a row or whatever it was And everyone was sitting there saying, well, you don't even need Julio right now. Just get him back for the stretch run. Like, now that they're in the stretch run and they're losing at a rapid pace and he's not out there, it is actively hurting them, the fact that he is not out there. Like, there have already been negative returns to this trade. You can no longer sit here and say, well, if such and such happens, and, well, wouldn't it be nice if, because, like, that would be canceling out negative ramifications that have already occurred because of this in and out stuff. And the fact that, you know, I mean, he's never going to develop a chemistry with Ryan Tannehill. I, I I don't see how that's going to happen because I think we talked about this last week where when I asked Tannehill after the game, after the Jacksonville game about Julio, he's like, you know, what we really want to do is build off of this. And then I asked Vrabel about Julio and his availability and he said well we can only throw to the guys who are out there and it's like you know he's not out there like ever it, and it, it it's it's very frustrating to to watch even as like a neutral observer like because you know what this guy has done and you've seen it we saw it against Seattle and you can even see it in practice like you know this guy's just a different cat and it just never materializes or comes close to. There was the Seattle game. There was that super catch on a sideline against Buffalo. And there's been nothing else that Nick Westbrook-Akina or Cody Hollister or anyone else isn't capable of equally.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's difficult because, you know, you look at what he's done, like even this year, like just as like another guy, like when, uh, when they played the Rams, he was four, for he had four targets and he had four catches for 35 yards. And like, he moved the chains when AJ Brown was getting covered by Ramsey. And then later AJ Brown got some catches and, you know, everything kind of opened up, like not opened up, opened up, but it moved enough to where they could win, you know, put up 28 points and I guess 21 on offense. But the thing is like, he, he's just not, he's not that guy. Like he's not the guy that he was even last year in 2020. And that's the problem is like, you look at a guy's career and you're saying, okay, for every year, but the last four or five games of his last season, where he was on a team that finished with a a bottom five record. Like he's been this guy. If he's the version we saw this year, which is like, if they, if you're trading for Julio Jones in 2020 and you think that's his floor, is that worth the trade? And the answer is yeah. Like if you get whatever he had, like 800 yards in like 12 games or something like if you get that Julio Jones, uh, he ended up with uh, 771 yards in nine games, so he was averaging like 90 yards a game. Like, if you get that guy, cool. Like, you know that that is awesome. But they didn't get that guy. They got a guy who was hurt. On top of that, like, and then he just he never like he's struggling to get back to that form. And it's like it, it's hard to grade the trade because you thought you saw his floor and it turns out like y- it it could sink so much lower but you think you're sending a second round pick for you know this guy and maybe the guy he used to be and it's like it, it just makes it so difficult because like I, I do think it's obviously not what they wanted when they traded for him and I think they're upset with how it happened and all that and I don't know if they're going to like scrap it and say next year, maybe like maybe he can be something, but we're not going to trust it or whatever, but like it just it feels like another part of this team that's just snake bitten because it's like all the calculated risks, like, not all of them, because Autry and you know Dupree and stuff like some of those guys worked out, but it's like the calculated risks they take, they took, I should say, like they swung and they missed, and then other things happened to that position too. It's like they were like, we'll try to bring in like, we'll bring in Kendall Lamb and he's going to compete for right tackle with Zambrallo and Questenberry. And then it's like, everybody gets hurt but Questenberry. Mike Vrabel's never going to bench his friend. You're stuck with Questenberry for the rest of the season. Like you let Corey Davis walk and you trade for Julio and then Julio gets hurt and isn't the guy he was last year. And then everybody else also gets hurt in your top five. And it's like, I mean, you just you swing and you swing and just not don't connect on positions like that and it just hurts.
1: We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to look ahead because the Titans have a big Thursday night football game coming up on December 23rd at Nissan Stadium against the San Francisco 49ers, and if they lose this game, the universe might explode. So, (laughs) we will preview that game coming up in just one moment. You're listening to No Nonsense. Well, what's the reaction going to be if the Titans lose this game? Because the Titans lost the Steelers game kind of barely. I mean, it was a meltdown, and they gave up this big lead, but... Even at the end there, they had a chance to punch it in and win with a, a fourth and short in the red zone. And I saw people on Twitter, like, it was a thermonuclear meltdown. Like, they will never win another game. The season is over. It was a lot. Like, I haven't seen a reaction like that to a Titans lost loss in quite some time. Like even the the dud yeah. they lay the egg they laid in the playoffs last year against Baltimore, people were like bargaining with that. They were like, but aren't we so proud of all this team accomplished this year like even like <laughs> it it was wild. So what's going to happen if they lose to the 49ers who are a better team objectively than the Pittsburgh Steelers?
0: I mean, that's a great question because I guess it's how they lose. But I, I'm pretty sure that we know if the, how they're if they're going to lose, how they're going to lose. And it's like the defense plays well, the offense turns the ball over again. I mean, it, the appropriate reaction is to continue to question the guys you're questioning and see if there was <laughs> any more injuries that popped up or any more issues that explain why they weren't better than the week before. But I, I mean. I don't think people will go full fire of Rabel, but I mean... Oh, it would I do. Not, <laughs> I, I will
1: it, it won't be me, it, but...
0: It would not shock me. Like, here, here's the overreaction take that people will have it on Friday if the Titans lose to the 49ers that's the right reaction, is they should have moved on from Rabel and hired Arthur Smith as to be their offensive coordinator. like, Or as their head coach slash offensive coordinator. Like... Uh, I mean, I said that at the time. I I think you kind of, you know, hemmed and hawed and said you didn't think that was good. Like, (laughs) I I think now we've seen what Arthur Smith has done with the scraps left behind for him in Atlanta. And we've seen what – not not that Mike Vrabel has been bad, but, like, we see how important it was to have that guy because that guy amplifies your offense, which is more important than defense. And, I I mean – I think that will be the appropriate reaction, and one that we should have all been more considerate of at the time. But people will be furious.
1: I think what would really get people riled up is watch the Titans lose on the twenty third, and, and and they could win. Like we're not sitting here predicting this. We're just you know if this scenario were to occur, Titans lose on the twenty third and then having to watch on Christmas the Colts beating the Cardinals to tie up the AFC South. Now, obviously, the Titans have the tiebreaker, so it would still be theirs, but after that thrashing that they gave the Patriots on Saturday night, the Colts are not as out of this as we once thought.
0: Unless they have to throw the ball, and then they're screwed.
1: Well, but the reality is if the Titans continue to implode, it's not going to matter.
0: Sure. Well, I mean, the Titans' problem, like, isn't the Colts like that? That's like, I, I get what you're saying, but I, I mean, and, you know, maybe the Titans go one and three or whatever, and the Colts win out, and they the Colts win the AFC South, which would be crazy. And if that happens, people should call for Mike Vrabel to be fired. But until then like it, it's just the at odds are so crazy and i just like i have to assume they figure out something at some point especially if they get derrick henry back at all before the season's over and if they get, they get a.j brown back at all before the season's over like either one of those two i think and everything looks different but yeah i mean if if the colts can beat the cardinals which the Cardinals kind of just had their trap game after they lost the week before. So I don't know if they'll do it again. Cause the Cardinals losing three in a row seems like that would be wild for yeah. where the team was a few weeks ago at home
1: but, coming yeah, off. A also really embarrassing th- loss to Detroit.
0: Yeah. And they're going to put pressure on the Colts to throw like they're go- I mean, they're going to load the box with Zayvon Collins and, uh, uh, they're, they're, the safety from uh, Clemson who turned into a linebacker and they're basically just going to like load it up and say like, look, we're going to like, we're going to match this, our, our freak safety against your running back. And we're just going to tell him to kill him every time. And you're going to have to throw the ball. And then we're going to go spread and throw it a hundred times and, you know, keep up if you can. So that'll be an interesting game. But I mean, it, it would definitely be worst case scenario. If the Titans played on Thursday, lost like a, a not in a similar way, if they lost like they did against the Patriots, where it just like it felt like you were constantly reaching and just were never really close because you had one or two key mistakes, like if they lose like they do against the Steelers, I think people will rationalize I think they'll blame everybody, but then a couple of days later, I think they'll will have rationalized it and said, "Well, there's no way we can turn it over four times again, right, <laughs> and then they'll do it again the next week but
1: I, I, uh, let me say this, obviously, Derek's not playing. I think if A.J. Brown plays, which seems to be possible. uh, I I saw a report this afternoon. It was sort of like possible, not likely. So, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see if he practices on Tuesday. Um, I I think this team looks completely different with him. I already made the comment about how I'm never going to say that with Julio again. But, you know, when A.J. Brown and Ryan Tannehill have a, a really unique chemistry and they actually use A.J. Brown, like he's not just there existing like they do with Julio. And, you know, that might be a Julio problem, that might be a them problem, I don't know. But when A.J. Brown is out there, he is involved. And I think that this team could look, especially with Deontay Foreman running the ball the way that he did, I think we see a much different Titans offense if A.J. Brown is out there, even at, you know, 70%. Yeah,
0: I I think uh, the only reason, like, the whole condition, because uh, Tehran was the one, I think, that reported it, who basically said something to the extent of, like, uh, somebody said something about, like, they were worried, they were concerned about uh, if A.J. Brown would be able to come back since it was a short week. People seem to be forgetting the fact that, like, it was just a bi Like He got an extra week off because of the bye week in between his hours. So it's not like he's getting two weeks instead of three weeks. Like yeah. he's getting three and a half weeks instead of three weeks. Well, and the
1: reason we're talking so, about it is because, again, he's eligible by the rule to come back this week. Right. And,
0: and, and again, Vrabel did say something to the effect of we're going to, you know, we'll evaluate him and we'll see which guys we can get back that will help us that are eligible, which is kind of his standard line. So we'll we'll see. But, uh, you know, <laughs> If if the only reason I don't play an eighty five percent AJ Brown against the Forty ers or a seventy percent or whatever he is, is if I know that Derrick Henry is coming back the next week, and I'm just waiting until everybody's back to really fire the engines.
1: But but right. I think I think the time for saving people is over. It's go time, oh, I man. Do too.
0: Yeah, I, I do too. But in in the grand scheme of things, the the AFC games are the ones that are the most important. And that's the two you have left after this in Miami and Houston. Not, I mean, it, it, that it won't come down to AFC tiebreaker. I don't think, but like, if you're a coach, that's what you're thinking. And if you're thinking, okay, again, I I'm AJ Brown should play in this game. Like, I I don't know how he feels. He tweeted on Sunday. He said, I miss miss playing football. Like, I I don't know. Like it, athletes can tweet whatever they want. When your team loses and you're on IR and you tweet, I miss playing football. You you really better play football that <laughs> way. <week. laughs> you're eligible to play because otherwise you're, you're kind of kicking the fans while they're down. And so like that, you know, it, and. I, I don't know where it. I think it was maybe Jim Wyatt said something to the effect of like he expected AJ Brown to be ready to go when whenever he was eligible, like something to that effect in the mailbag this weekend. Um, but that that was out there. So I, I think he should play. I think they should do the whole like we're going to let you play forty snaps on offense, whether that's every snap or whether that's a third of the snaps, you're getting forty snaps. Then we'll reevaluate you on Friday and you and Derek and Julio can all rehab together and you can all get ready to play against Miami the next week. Like that's, that's the plan. Like that should be the plan. Like if, if I'm, if I'm drawing it up perfectly, the only re only thing that might change, like I said, is if you keep AJ Brown out one more week, if you're thinking, But even then, like you can't go, you can't, like you said, you can't go out there and like have the option to play AJ and just say, no, like we're okay completely conceding the one seed, even though we're the most banged up history. Uh, in because we want to really make sure that these guys are 100%. Because that's what they did with Julio wait until he got 100%. And then he immediately got hurt two
1: games.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, it's, you know, the the extra week isn't guaranteed anything. So I, I'm interested to see how they play it, but if they hold him out, I'm going to assume he's healthy enough and they're holding him back because before this week, that was the report, was that it, he was going to be good to go when his time was up and he was going to be ready to help.
1: Looking at this 49ers team, Will, as we wrap up, give me one key on each side of the ball for the Titans to beat Mike Sh- Kyle Shanahan's 49ers, excuse me.
0: Um, I mean when you're when the Titans are on offense I, I mean Don't, don't turn the ball over. Ball. <laughs> yeah, so i am talking a brick ball because I know Todd Downing won't do it, but you have to keep running the ball. Like in in no way, even if AJ's back, in no way are the wide receivers gonna be a strength on this team. Like, until AJ's a hundred percent, Julio's a hundred percent or whatever. And you feel more confident about Nick Westbrook akeena in the slot or whatever you're gonna do, like your strength is gonna be your offensive line run blocking, hopefully Tory Carter, but if no, I guess he's on our. But then blasting game, like, you know, having a fullback in there, like and running like that, as opposed to asking Jeff Swaim or Furks or to block somebody. Like that's your bread and butter. Run it, run it, run it. And, like, establish it and don't stop it until they make you stop it and then make them pay for their adjustment. That would be my uh, key on offense. Then when you're on defense, I mean, just make Garoppolo look like Garoppolo. Like, don't give him the easy stuff. Like, make him do the hard things or confuse him with coverage. And then, once you do that, like, he'll panic and he'll throw you easy, like, easy interceptions and you'll get those momentum plays yourself. And once this defense gets one turnover, it seems like they just get they're just piranhas in the water. like people forget that the Titans didn't get a turnover on Jacksonville until the second half and then they ended up with four interceptions. So I mean just do like do that like because you can't tell this team not to turn the ball over. the Titans are going to turn the ball over on offense it's what they do. It's Todd Downing's trademark, even though it's not his fault. but like it's, it's what this like if I had to pick one defining feature of this offense right now, it's that they turn the ball over. So you can't tell them not to do that. So that, <laughs> what that, is
1: with, what's the identity of this Titans offense? Well, they love giveaways.
0: That would be a great like a great question for Vrabel is if you say, <laughs> uh, "What do you think the identity of the offense is?" And he said, "Well, what do you think it is?" Like, I think it's you turning the ball over all the time. Like that would be a great counter to like anything he said, but. Yeah, if I have to work inside those parameters and can't just say turn the ball over on defense and don't turn the ball over on offense, then those would be my tips.
1: Stop the nonsense time. What do you got, Will?
0: So I was going to go with the whole uh, Mario to Tannehill thing and just could dive deeper into that, but I decided not to. Uh, Then I was going to go with the whole uh, uh, Tannehill can't win games, like, for comeback like he can't come from behind and then put out his numbers but i didn't want to do that either so i'm just gonna go to uh the texans like because that's kind of my fun go-to apparently uh in some weird uh like i don't know if it was a team release or whatever but they they've basically they've named nick casario like general manager slash like Whatever his his, like football advisor role or whatever is, Uh, and it's come out that the coaching staff uh, has to report to Nick Casario. Uh, So, like the quote from this, which uh, like Nick Casario, if you're not familiar, is the puppet of Jack Easterby, (laughs) who is the guy who basically is masterminding the whole like uh, collapse of the Texans. So the quote is. uh, what are conversations like with General Manager Nick Casario and senior football advisor Romeo Cornell during the game? And he said, just like I go back to the two minute situation when we were in uh when we were in it, I immediately went on line with Nick Casario and obviously he and Romeo Cornell talked about it. And it's like, whoa, hold on a second. Like that would be like if Mike Vrabel said it was the two minute drill, and so I immediately called up John Robinson. And it's like, whoa I don't like, think that's allowed. Uh I mean I guess it depends on what you're like. I, I don't know. Like, I, I didn't know that you could or couldn't do that, but that's like, that's the quote from from the clip. And like, I, it goes I on. I that that
1: was illegal.
0: I mean, if it is, they they don't mind talking about it.
1: I mean, I guess if Rabel wanted to put, and I guess it's all about a like designation. I mean, if you want to put Robinson in the coaching booth, like maybe, I guess. Right.
0: Yeah. I, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, I guess, but, it just goes to the fact that like the the widespread like muddled roles in Houston it was why I was comfortable with them having like the top pick, like even though they're gonna get more picks when they trade Watson and all that it's like i I just assume they're gonna constantly collapse because there's no delineation of responsibilities, yeah, and so yeah. after all, the dysfunction that you know the Titans have had on the field, I just wanted to remind everybody like. They're not Jacksonville and they're not the Texans who, again, it's like if uh, Mike Brabel was calling John Robinson for like, what should we do in the two minute drill? That's so so I, I, I just want to point out, it can be worse.
1: My, my stop the nonsense is what I was getting at earlier, the, the thermonuclear meltdown after the game yesterday. Like, I, when was the last time you saw Titans fans react that way to a loss? I mean, people were beside themselves. Yeah, it's it's been. The Titans still had the lead, and people were like, "This team is never going to win another game."
0: Well, to their credit, they were right about that one specific game because, (laughs) because like, I the problem is like, like once you've hurt this Titans fan base like a couple of times the same way, like when you heard them the same way in the Texans game that you heard them in the Patriots game, that you just like the reason you lost is your turnovers and you turn it over once. Like they've been down that road too many times and they expect the pain to come because that's all Titans fans have known for so long. Breaking
1: news. Titans move AJ Brown to designated from return from injured reserve. Oh, that's good. I was sorry to interrupt, but very important. I
0: I was afraid you were going to say they moved him uh, to like long term. Yeah, they moved him to dead. But that's why I was like when you said that, I I forgot like back in the day, like they used to do like short term hour and like long term hour. And I was like, oh, no, he's going to say that they're moving him to long term hour because. Uh, fans, you might not know this, but Luke has this cool thing where he wants me to be sad as much as possible or angry. Either one of the negative emotions he definitely likes to do. So I was sure he was interrupting me <laughs> to, to tell me that AJ Brown was not going to like be able to play for the next like four weeks.
1: They 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 have moved him to the uh, <laughs> the, the the past the passed away list. No, they, so that I mean that that obviously means he's going to practice this week uh, or on Tuesday. So good stuff there. We've already sort of discussed the, you know, the impact of that, but you know, back, back to what we were just talking about though. What, what was it about that loss yesterday that particularly got under the skin of Titans fans?
0: It's, we were talking about it in the group message. It's the, uh, it's like, when was the last time we saw an offense, a passing offense that was this bad? Like, We've been, like, the the rapid change from 2018, like, just an absolute grind to get any points on the board in the passing game, to 2019, which started off slow and then ended up hot with Tannehill, to 2020, which, or, to 2020, which was, we can do anything we want in the passing game. It doesn't matter if you score every time. Eventually, you're going to have to kick a field goal, and we're going to score a touchdown and win. And then to this year where it's like start off bad against the Cardinals, start to heat up and heat up and heat up, beat some good teams, and then absolutely have the like floor, co- like the bottom collapse underneath you. And just like, it reminds you of all the dark times in the decade before Hill. So I think it's that. And the fact that, Titans fans are too afraid of having a false idol uh, after Mariota, and they're just so afraid that they've found like another guy. It's like, oh no, he was a bust like we thought originally, even though that's not what he's shown. Like I think it was just all those things at once.
1: Obviously, this A.J. Brown news casts just a different light on this game. As I said, I think this is a totally different team with him out there. Uh, should be very exciting you'll be there i imagine at the game right
0: uh i will unless uh it's declared that uh aj brown won't play and then it's like <laughs> you know it, like it depend depending on what happens like but yeah right now i'm planning on being there
1: all right well until then uh if you celebrate christmas have a merry christmas if there's another holiday that you and your family celebrate have a happy one of those Uh, And until next time, for Will and Matias, who's not with us, I'm Luke reminding you and everyone else in the sports world to stop the nonsense. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger.